You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. You sucking ass on the trail. Why you need to bail? You fed as a whale, brah. Why you need a new bike as well? We take you to market to sell, brah. Now you can afford the bike that you want, the job at the mall ain't pay you enough. Now she getting rough, you thinking that you need to sell all your stuff. When it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike. Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side. Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better. Maybe then you make it better instead of looking like a lame ass. And if you get confused, you can ask. J R A. Get hip to the name. Hello and welcome to another, yeah, that's right, another episode of Just Riding Along brought to you by. Do you know the difference between docking and soaking? Um. For Kenny that doesn't know, we recorded an episode last night, and now we're recording another episode tonight. Uh, and <laughs> tonight's episode, we do have, I'm going to get this going right off the top, but i got to look it up because I didn't write his name down. Ben what actually, episode did you just record? Uh, what do you mean, what episode did we record? Last night? Like, uh, just yeah. riding along? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, the, we, what the fuck, guys? Well, you weren't available, and then Andrea didn't go night ride tonight because I have her light because I was going to use it for one of those races, but then I didn't race because I got sick. So shit. Okay. Um, Do we even have anything to talk about? Oh, dude. Answer all the questions and do all. (laughs) There is. So um, I want to start this off with uh, Ken Smith, uh, longtime listener. Um, He is from. Missoula, Montana, and he has a question for us tonight. But with that, um, I was gonna. Uh, he sent over twenty five bucks. So um, sweet. What's his question? Yeah. Did they just get the internet and he's uh, wondering how to use it? <laughs> uh, no, they're good. It's a good question. Um, I was always confused as a young adult when I saw the name Missoula. I thought it was somewhere in Missouri. Bless your heart, um, yeah, Missoula, Missouri. So. Um, real quick though, off the top, we're not going to go through mountain bike radio news cause we just did this last night, but, um, what was I going to say? Oh, what is mountain bike radio news? Well, oh, like see, news on what's what mountain bike radio as a parent company, giant conglomerate corporations doing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we were talking about how the line between like what's new with Matt and what's new with mountain bike radio is like very blurry now. Cause like, uh, I am. Gotcha. So it's kind of like mountain bike radio news. Um, You're like Judge Dredd. But uh, I will say this. I feel <laughs> like uh, I have no idea who Judge Dredd is. I'm Someone trying to keep will this laugh that forward. out there in Radio Land. How much whiskey did you drink? Two shots. Yeah, whatever. I'm serious. Uh, I only had two shots. I wanted more, but I was like, no, I don't need to be all the way wasted. Um, so where I was going is we're about to hit the tipping point with just riding along um we're not going to answer all the questions anymore so 
that's just coming um phrasing but that is definitely coming so just to put that out there what about the show like two weeks ago when we didn't have any questions yeah but couldn't we keep some as overflow I think what this lets us do is if you have a shitty question, we're no longer legally obligated to answer it. So fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Because what we're looking at is probably, I don't know, I can't count and talk at the same time, but I have a lot of questions incoming. Um, and sure, we didn't have any questions before, you know, like like two shows ago, but then we're going to do two back-to-back shows because we were just uncertain if we were going to make something work this week or not, Kenny. Uh, but then it turns out you could record tonight. Like, I saw the influx of questions coming, and we had a bunch of questions we didn't answer last night that were directed directly towards our full-faced Amigo. Um, so with that, uh, yeah, we're just getting to the point where we won't be able to, like, get or them Or we'll in. just record episodes two days per week. That's never going to happen. <laughs> it's happening this week. Shut up. Um, so... We'll get to Ken's question. Uh, Kenny, do you have any news? Are you not sick? Are you over being sick? Nah, I still... I'm, like, congested, but I feel pretty good. Uh, let's see. News with me. Fork has exploded. I've got a new air spring on the way. Could be my fault that I put the wrong one in to begin with, but I don't know yet until I put the new one in. So that's my fork. That's my fork land situation. I'm currently riding a semi-borrowed Fox 34. And I'm probably just going to buy it and keep it because I'm too lazy to EP another fork and put it on. Because I've already put this one on and it's, I've gone too far. I don't feel like putting another fork on my bike. <laughs> so, yeah. I rode a Fox 34, rode it for the first time yesterday and did a big Park City ride. So I did like a, a 30-something mile, 5,000 footer. And it was good. Did some good descending on it. And it feels just like a Fox 34 should, like kind of like better than a Reba basically, but a little bit heavier. So kind of all the things that we already all know, but long story short, if you're curious, anybody out there in listener land has an RKT and is scared of putting a Fox 34 on it or a Pike, uh, don't be because <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's freaking awesome. It's just a good fork, whether it's a hardtail or a, a cross country full suspension bike or a big travel full suspension bike, non shitty forks are good. It turns out. So anyway, so far so good on that. Uh, what else? My bike is still kind of awesome. I like it. I just, I rode some other bikes. And I've ridden other people's bikes and all that. And I'm just not like super impressed. And I just kind of like my RKT. It works out really well. No other issues with any parts, I don't think. I put on that new DT Swiss rear hoop. So far so good on that. Been raging it pretty hard. Uh, DI2 is still awesome. At first, DI2 was funny. When I first put it on, I was like, yeah, it's really cool. And then I rode it for like a year and just didn't really think about it very much. And I was kind of on the fence. I was like, hey, is it really worth it? Maybe not. And now that I just like ride more stuff, my DI2 just freaking works. And it's awesome. <laughs> and it's just so fast and snappy. And it's it, you just don't think about it because it works so well. But when you go back, because I rode a demo bike the other day and it had, it was nice. It had like Eagle on it, but and Eagle, in my opinion, shifts way better than the mechanical Shimano stuff. However, man, DI2 is pretty sweet. So if you guys are like on the fence about it, even for one by a mountain bike, which seems kind of ridiculous to do the whole, all the setup and all the shit you need just to do one by, but I don't know. It's pretty nice. So anyway, I like it. I'm happy with my bike. Um, 
Let's machine I mean, guns. Machine Jesus. gun some shit, man. Let's answer some questions. Uh, okay, so we'll start at the bottom here. Jeremy P. from Wisconsin says, After hearing Kenny's blown-up fork, I think he should check out MRP's ribbon fork. I rode a demo bike with it recently. It was impressed. Better yet, they're built in Colorado, and MRP still supports just about any product they have made in the past. Jeremy P. from uh, Eclair, uh, Wisconsin. So, Yeah, um, I mean, we've been over that. I mean, I hate to say it, and I, I, I really want the underdog to win, and I really want new products out there. But at the same time, like I don't have time to deal with weird shit, so I bought a Fox. Boom. That's they're garbage. I mean, I've ridden an MRP fork and they index with no air. The air spring or something in it indexes with new lubricating oil and slick honey in the lowers. And after talking with the company, they were going to bring it back for uh, internal rebuild and let me know when I was going to get it back to <clears throat> finalize my review for mountain bike radio and that was the finalization they ghosted and never talked to me again so um i got a fork from the factory with a bottom out bumper that was rattling around in the fork a compression setting like what would be your lockout on an xc fork like crown mounted lockout didn't work it wasn't clocked and dialed to be working um, i had to disassemble and troubleshoot and work the and properly set the dial to be clocked and indexed onto like the shaft properly um and even after rebuilding it with new lubricating oil and slick honey in the lowers, as instructed by their video that I had to watch for 25 minutes to figure out the oil volume for the fork, um, all I had was a fork that indexed and finally locked out with a bottom-out bumper that didn't rattle around. And I contacted them, and they took the fork back and never called me again. So that's what I think of MRP. And I've touched four or five other MRP forks, and they all do the same exact thing. Low air volume or low air pressure, they index. Um, so, yeah, so I had the same it. issue. Well, same issue. This is probably three or four years ago. Uh, a guy had an MRP fork and it exploded in like nine different ways. And just trying to find information <laughs> on trying to find information on how to fix it was impossible. And even when it was brand new mint, it felt like shit. So just not interested. There you go. Um, Ken Smith, who sent over the money, says, Hello, everyone. Longtime listener and Mountain Bike Radio member. First time writer to Jerry. Three items. One, please visit please visit all of your bad vibes upon the asshat who stole my wife's bike and mine from the back of our Jeep in Vegas last night. Yeah, I know it's Vegas, but still, I don't need that shit. Number two, I'll be in Salt Lake on August 9th and I was planning to ride some local. Now I need a bike to ride. Would love to demo or rent an Ibis Ripley LS29. Any leads on where to find one? Kenny, do you know who's an Ibis dealer in Salt Lake? Mm, unfortunately, off the top of my head, no, I don't know. But if uh, did he say he's going to be in Salt Lake City or Park City? Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have – we our demo fleet is not super awesome right now because we're kind of in between stuff, and so I apologize for that. We've got basically a bunch of aluminum stuff at the moment, so nothing like super high end. But we basically have like top fuels and fuel EXs and some six fatties from Specialized and a few other mountain bikes. So we have something if you want to ride it. Uh, but yeah, uh, hey, I have no problem talking good about other shops because hey, it is what it is. Um, Storm Cycles in Park City—they're not a direct competitor because they're kind of far away—but uh, they've got uh, pivots if you want to try a pivot and they're really easy to deal with. So I've just had two or three rental experiences over the years with them and it's been really positive. So, um, 
yeah, if you're in Park City area or if you don't mind driving to Park City to pick something up and you'd want to try a pivot, they have like high-end carbon pivots, uh, SLs, trails. Uh, what's the one you got, Andrea? Uh, I have a switchblade. Yeah, they have switchblades too. So they got them all. Cool. <clears throat> and his last one is trail suggestions. Looking for something 10 to 15 miles in length, advanced to intermediate. I like fast and technical, but I'm not into huge drops. When riding some strange in new areas i typically dial it back a notch on level of difficulty and ride harder and faster for fun also i've been way too busy with work and i'm a bit out of shape any suggestions yes so go to corner canyon which is like the area and corner canyon is a fantastic trail system that's kind of like i'd call it almost the neighborhood trail system super popular here uh it's definitely well traveled uh lots of good stuff from flat stuff to techie stuff to whatever no big drops or anything sketchy But if you basically find whatever trail you want to climb up and go all the way up to the top of Jacob's Ladder and you ride down Jacob's Ladder and then when you get down to the parking lot, ride up the gravel road a little bit and then ride down Rush, which is like the flow trail. It's fucking awesome. So for local trail stuff, that's going to give you a really good taste of everything. Good climbing, but steady climbing and then really fun ripping descent on Jacob's Ladder that's kind of rocky and techy, but also kind of as fast, like as much as you want to eat, like it will go, you go as fast as you'd want. If you don't let go of your brakes, you will go 60 miles an hour and die. Uh, (laughs) So, but, you know, you can also, uh, an intermediate rider can definitely get down at no problem. So there's that. That's Jacob's Ladder. And then Rush is just a fun, flowy trail, couple of tiny little tabletops, like nothing scary. But you can kind of go, again, as fast as you want. You can go down that trail. So it's also downhill traffic only. Both of them are. Um, So... That's what I recommend. That's a super fun loop. If you don't smile on those, something's wrong with you. All right. And he says, have a great day and keep the sticky side wherever you want the sticky side. I don't judge. (laughs) And he says, he literally says, pause for effect. I'm talking tires. So, (laughs) Ken, uh, sorry to hear your bikes got stolen, but that's that one. Um, Hopefully you find a demo bike to ride and yeah, get your flow on. Um, Next one. Uh going to go a little bit out of order here to go run through this one this is more of a comment than a question matt from the internet says this weekend i went out alone to the woods or wait i went out jesus this weekend i went out alone to the mountains to ride and i somehow ended up at a bike park on my santa cruz Tallboy three well for anyone who hates on shorter travel i hit the road gap on our trends with dt revolution spokes and <laughs> i9 hubs awesome. i thought this type of stupid shit kenny would like i attached a picture of the road gap uh just to give you an idea of how it was, uh, it's a super easy gap on a longer travel bike, but it's def- definitely pushing the limits on this rig. Thanks, Matt from the internet. So yeah, send I think it. that's awesome. Send it, and you know, short travel stuff these days is really fucking capable. So don't do what every other like bro in the world does and like immediately gravitate to like the new hundred and fifty mil travel bike because you probably don't need it and it's probably gonna ride like shit. I don't know. My switchblade is pretty fucking awesome. No, but I mean, that's also, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty reasonable bike, but I'm saying in general, I think it's a dude syndrome thing. It's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'm going to buy the specialized enduro and ride cross country on it. Well, it's the, it's the, the, well, what do you mean? I can spend $5,000 and get 100 or I can spend $5,000 and get 150. I'm getting 150. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be, don't get me wrong. They have their place, and if you're a ball-and-ass rider or all you do is lift-run service, then, like, yeah, those things have their place. But the aver- what I would call the average mountain biker, uh, yeah, you probably don't want that big of a bike. 
All right, next order of business. Eric W. says, hey, Kenny, are you sure Formula's out of business? Uh, it looks like they're alive and well, according to their social feed and website. And that's what I found. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's incorrect. I don't think Formula... They either had a brief respite of lack of business ability, like they, they, they <laughs> maybe they got they bought by like, another company or something weird. Something I'm telling you, I'm not crazy. Something has changed. Like I tried to get in contact with them, and it's something like Formula Breaks no longer exists as a company or something. There, there was some very not good message I read somewhere, but maybe that was just freaking wrong. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, and I even like after that episode posted, I kind of trolled through um, what you call it. Uh, bicycle retailer because they're usually pretty good about that kind of stuff buy sell yeah you know yeah. shuttering the doors i didn't find anything over there either so i think eric is much righter than we are uh so i'm gonna give my two cents on this um if you if the only thing you have on your website is like a generic semi email contact form to get any kind of service done i assume you're out of business because what the fuck yeah, I also uh, left a voicemail with a company on Thursday, and here it is Monday at ten thirty at night, and I still haven't heard from them. So yeah, so I'm by the really way, I'm on happy. I'm on Formula's webpage right now, and I'm on their like help section, and it's just a generic like drop down thing of like what you want, and uh, and then it goes into La La Land. It's not even oh, like an actual. Tell me what you address. want, what you really really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really <laughs> really want. I wanna, I wanna. <laughs> I want to so call that, you on the phone and talk about my problems. <laughs> exactly. And this is a pet peeve of mine is when you have this generic shit contact form and you hey, have no Kenny, idea. I think you're I think you're almost out of pet peeves. Dude, I can peeve all I want. I'm a fucking adult. I think at this point you're just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You're just like, you know, give me multiple options. Give me email, make maybe a phone number. I mean, at least give me a phone number that rings. It, it doesn't even have to fucking go anywhere. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I just want something. Just, I just want to feel like someone might answer the because phone. Because the problem is, I feel like this is not a real company. Because if you go to their webpage right now, I would just assume that they're out of business, maybe, or a Chinese company or something. Like it's just, ugh, fuck. Give me a phone number. That's all I want. All right, next question. Uh, let's see. We're gonna go. Right here. I'm actually going to ask this question, and then I'm going to give a one-sentence answer, and then I'm going to go get some water. Chris from NorCal says, Hi, guys and gal. I'm in the market for a new bike, and I'm getting way into the weeds deciding on a transition Scout, which is 27 and a half wheels, or Smuggler 29. I was pretty much set on the Scout, and so I started researching the Smuggler. Uh, I am in Northern California, and... My riding mostly consists of single track with as much climbing as descending, mostly smooth, but with a slight smattering of chunk depending on where I go. My only hesitation with the Scout is the wheel size, as I'd like to keep the bike for a long, and that's in all caps, time, and not feel like I should have gotten the Smuggler with its bigger wheels. But will the Smuggler be as fun? And here's, and that's where I, I get lost. The random clarifications. As much as I'd like to think otherwise, I don't need more than 140 mils of travel. 80% of my riding is on mostly buff single track with a few Burmy jumpy bits. I want a bike that's fun and poppy and sort of efficient for longer days. Experienced rider, whatever that means, smiley face. What do you guys think about these two transitions or feel free to steal me, steer me in another direction. Love the show, Chris. So it's going to be a two-part answer. It sounds like you've already made up your mind that you're getting the smuggler, which high five, 29 wheels. I got to go get some water now. <laughs> 
Yep. So. Don't buy. Don't buy the scout. Buy the smuggler. I'm. I'm looking at it right now. You. You don't want twenty-seven and a half wheels. That's dumb. <laughs> um, I mean, I just have to say from my experience having a Mach Six, which was, uh, well, it was longer travel, but now having the Switchblade. Um, I feel like the Switchblade is a more fun bike because it is easier to handle going uphill and through technical stuff that is not downhill um, for a very little trade-off as far as like how it goes downhill. I'd say, you know, the Mach 6, you can tell there's a little more travel, maybe just like a little bit more just barely smoother and really, really chunky stuff. But, you know, like the 29-inch wheels really make up a lot in... Uh, in reduce in like the reduction in travel between a Mach Six and a Switchblade. What is the Switchblade? Is it one thirty five in the back? It's, yeah, one thirty five rear and one fifty front. You can one fifty front, front all day. Yeah, you can extend the front to one sixty, but I honestly have had no desire to do that since I started riding it. Like I haven't but felt yeah, like I, I would, needed to at all. I would definitely vote that Smuggler uh, compared to the Scout. So that's yeah. I mean, I just think longer travel 27 and a halfs are really difficult to ride. I think you need to be like a fucking ace rider to get all out of those. So I would totally buy the smuggler. I'm not really. So this is a, oh, it's actually really easy to find on their site. Sorry. They're well, both, uh, they're both designed for up and down mountains. So that's really helpful graphic that they have on there. <laughs> um, I think if you go to a different bike. Like if you go to the the TR11, it just says designed for going down mountains. That's their downhill bike. And if you go to the 500, which is their previous downhill bike, same thing. And the Patrol. Uh, yeah. Oh, the Triple is designed for jumping mounds of dirt. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And then the Rapture is their cross bike and designed for leaping barriers. So I mean, it's kind of cute, I guess. <laughs> designed for you know having a miserable time in a field of grass is <laughs> what that one is for all right so it sounds like we've got an eric or chris sorted out he's gonna get a smuggler and he's gonna smuggle grapes while riding the smuggler the one thing that i'm a little sad about is that the smuggler is not available in carbon but the scout is so that makes me well he's comparing no the two bikes so that's his budget Okay. Yeah. I mean that you know, he didn't say like, ah, I'd want the smuggler, but it doesn't come in carbon, like sounds like that's what he wants. Yeah. When so. anybody out there in the world is ever in doubt, buy the mid ish travel twenty nine bike. It will be awesome. Yeah. Yep. And this is pretty much the bike that I want. Um I would want maybe just a tad more. A tad more bike. I'm going to go big bike. Kenny didn't hear it yet, but I'm going to get a big bike. So it's happening. Um, yeah. I think somebody, it could be just my side or internet or weird. Does someone have like their cell phone close to a computer or microphone? I'm getting weird like cell phone noises. I can hear that, but I didn't know what it was caused by. Yeah, my phone hasn't moved the whole show. Hmm. Well, hopefully that doesn't annoy people. I just noticed it now. I think yeah. it's gone away. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just move forward here. So scrolling through, scrolling through, um, 
Ian from Washington. I just finished listening to the Moist Armpits episode and heard your bike list. Sorry to hear that, Kenny. Uh, from what I can tell, we like riding similar kind of terrain and bikes, and I know how you feel about specialized XC bikes with their brains and all, but I really love to hear your impressions on the new Epic Fully. Perhaps you could get one out on your local trails for a review. Even better would be a handling comparison to one from the last couple of years. Cheers, Ian from Washington. So. Yeah, so the old one I hated with such a huge passion that like I can't even describe how much I hate those bikes. Uh, now, I really want to like the new one. Uh, it strikes me a lot, and I think we talked about it, it really, really seems similar to the 2017 Scalpel in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, with the, they got rid of a pivot all the way on the back and like a little bit longer top tube, a little bit slacker head tube angle, all that kind of stuff. And I like the scalpel for what it's worth. Uh, yes, I really do want to spend some time on the new Epic and I especially want to really try it with the 42 offset fork, which is just so weird in my brain. Like I just don't understand I don't understand that at all. But anyway, I want to try it because it might be awesome. They might have figured out some magic voodoo that X-length chain stays with a goofy offset fork and a slack head tube somehow works. I have no idea. But anyway, I want to try to ride that. And I also really want to try to ride it with like a 120 fork with a 51 offset or even a 46 offset. So, yes, it's on my list of things to do. I have not written off the Epic at all. We do sell them as a shop. I know they're going to be hugely popular. Um surely somebody has actually test ridden that bike and it's hopefully it's not terrible right like you would imagine that somebody did it with like a purpose uh so yeah I'll, i will try it i'm not scared but i don't have any demos just yet they're actually difficult to get even just uh you know for sale so yes probably here in the next few months when they're more readily available hopefully we can get a little demo fleet of them as well and i will try them Cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm just really confused why the new Epic Hardtail isn't the same Geo, but yeah, it's uh, weird. Yeah, who knows? Um, so moving forward, Chris from Santa Fe. Hey guys, I just listened to this light episode. Not sure if you're covering the new shorter offset forks in the subsequent episodes, but check out the explanation on the transition website. Just scroll down on their main website. Curious on your take. I love you guys in the path. I've listened to every single episode from the Wayback Days to and the awful Blog Talk Radio. Uh, <laughs> lol, Chris from Santa Fe. So, Chris, thanks for being a longtime listener. Um, I will post a bit of that episode with, or the link to that episode with the show. Um, my two cents, the video didn't have enough math in it. I have not seen it yet. I will look for it. Is it a video or another explanation on transitions? Is on transition site? It's a yeah, but transition is doing the same idea of what Specialized is doing with the Epic in a couple of their bikes. They're calling it the SBG uh, Speed Balance Geometry, uh. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's short offset, super slack head tube angle, and there's a couple of cameo appearances of one of their team riders on a really old bike and kind of takes away from it for me like oh my i want God. like 64 degree head tube angle holy wow shit. with like this very similar offset fork it's like a, Dude. the offset of the fork is like you know two or something welcome to like know. a 1995 26er dh bike basically <laughs> um so yeah chris unfortunately um i think the path got it right when they talked about this bike like they've had their initial like read about it on paper reviews 
And the, pretty much the one thing that they said is they think the bike is going to be really, um, really good for the person that doesn't turn the handlebars but drives the bike. And the way that I differentiate that is like you, you use your butt to steer with your hip, not using your hands to like turn the handlebar to turn. So, yeah. Um, Maybe that's why I like the bikes that I've been riding now, which is really freaking weird. I came from like straight handlebar steering bikes, like steep head tube angle and not like super crazy offset, but definitely long chain stays. That's like the old niner geometry. And I really got used to that and I really like it. Uh, And now I'm going to that kind of same idea, a little bit longer travel, slightly slacker head tube angle, but even shorter chain stays. So mine's almost like a combination I would call mine like what I'm liking today is not necessarily what I like tomorrow. I would probably call it twitchy geometry overall, but pretty balanced between steering with your ass and steering with the bars. Yeah, and I've always felt like the Crave wanted to be leaned over a lot, even though it's a pretty steep head tube angle. Yeah. Um, So... McElroy from Kennyland says, Matt, what's up? I just want to give a shout out to the JRA crew and that I saw a TV commercial for Hangar 15 bikes, formerly Canyon, formerly Canyon, Canyon bikes. Jesus, I can't even talk. Anymore. <laughs> uh, says, Kenny has seen Utah will destroy your average trail bike. I ride a GT Force expert with a pike and a fox uh, in the rear. I can't remember which one. I'm loaded on 3.2 PBR right now. But anyhow, the bike came with Shimano SLX brakes with fin metal pads. So far in a season and a half, I've had the bike blown out the ceramic parts and the brakes. So taking Kenny's lead, I decided to go ham style and roll a Shimano Z in the rear and an SLX up front. Also, good thing I didn't buy the Crest MK3 reels like I was going to from Jensen since they seem bunk as fuck. What do you think <laughs> about the brake setup and what rear wheel should I go with besides i9 stuff? I ride the Wasatch Crest, Corner Canyon, and lift service at Canyons and Deer Valley. Um, you probably want to buffer, probably want a buffer wheel, uh, for sure. So I'll just rattle off a bunch of shit and you guys can rattle off shit too. But, um, all the light bike stuff's probably going to be fine. Uh, almost all the stuff DT Swiss makes, I'm really, really liking their stuff. The more and more I see their products, I'm really kind of on a DT Swiss kick these days. I think they make really good stuff and they don't go too weight weenie at all. Even their XR 361, like their super ultra cross country wheel that I'm running, seems to be far and away stronger than a crest and it is heavier so it should be stronger uh but their mid-level stuff like all their xm series stuff uh they're kind of like all mountain trail stuff is super buff so i would definitely take a look at that stuff all the i9 like factory stuff is all pretty good don't buy anything with 24 hole that they sell it will be terrible and you'll have a bad time uh what else that's all I got. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff out there. WTB makes decent stuff. Uh, however, a couple of the WTB rims I've gotten in recently looks like they were welded by, like, a blind person. Uh, they were terrible. <laughs> like, the seam was so bad. Like, I, I really should have not built them. I should have just sent them right back to WTB. Like, something was majorly wrong there. So not super happy about that. Uh, what other rims are good? Uh, Velocity. Velocity makes good stuff, yeah. Uh, just don't buy a Crest Mark III. That's like it. That's probably I'm gonna vote that worst rim of uh, I don't know, worst rim of the past three years. 
Sure. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of good wheels out there. But I think when in doubt these days, honestly, uh, DT Swiss, they make really good stuff. They do. I mean, I, I like stuff with higher engagement, but I can't complain about their quality or their Yeah, the hubs. I totally that. agree. I think, you know, the DT240 is a little overpriced for what it is, and the engagement's pretty shitty. Uh, but they kind of, like, work. They just work. Yeah, they just they do work really well. Uh, but I'm talking, um, I'm talking more hoops. Like, the DT hoops these days are actually way better. They used to just make shitty wheels. Like, they were not tubeless compatible and they were like all 19 mil internal, but I think they got their heads out of their asses the past few years and they're actually building some decent tubeless stuff. That's like wide and like, not just totally brick heavy. So what are you saying, Matt? Well, I was just going to say you, you really can't beat a 350 anymore. Dude, like the DT 350 is such a good hub. Like, Ooh, it's going to be a little heavier. Ooh, I get it. It's de- your bike. Like, what is the saying? Like grams make ounces, ounces make pounds, and pounds make a bike heavy. But like, yeah, Jesus, like just buy a nice, buy a three fifty, and you know it's gonna work forever, and you know that you can get bearings for it forever, and you know the hub shell's not gonna crack in half, and then just lace it up to anything, like yeah, like not a crest, like I don't know, that velocity. I'm still just like totally like in love with the velocity blunt SS rim that Ben runs. Like I see him. And he has them on his bike, and he has, like, a spare one. So, like, there's a new one that I've been able to just, like, look at a bunch, you know? Like, I can, like, hold it and, like, look at the profile and stuff, and I'm like... Yeah, yeah. Like, man, this is, like, this is good. You know what I mean? Like, I just look at it, and I'm like, this is right. And like, I'd really like Velocity to push a little harder and maybe get into, like, the OEM game so that they get their name out there a little bit more. I think that would be really cool. I... I think their stuff's made in the USA, so I think they're going to have a really hard time making those junker oh, rims. Oh, just the lo- – I think also just the logistics of not having them where the frames are, like in Taiwan and shit, I think that's a big problem. Yeah, the travel would eat it up. Like you need the wheel to be built across the street and like trucked over by like cart. Yep. Yep, um, yep. Uh, oh, on uh, what you are saying about the weight, uh, do you know uh, the DT350 is lighter than Chris King's? Who cares? Chris King is uh, garbage. Yep. Yeah, a, Chris King suck. A house is also lighter than Chris King house. <laughs> <laughs> the wheel off my mini truck is lighter than a Chris King hub. <laughs> yes. And you can drive it down the highway. Um <clears throat> All right. So, I'm going to read the next question. Kenny said he had a question. So, do me a favor while I'm reading this one, you drop that one into like the the recorder so I can like have it to post with the show. So we'll do this question and then that question and we'll be done. Okay. All right. James, AKA Kenny's number one fanboy. How or <laughs> howdy JRA crew would Kenny risk the biscuit and ride into a nugget NATO or would he ride away screaming like a little girl? Photo credit is to my wife. We got married two and a half months ago and I forced her to listen to JRA while carpooling to work. I didn't realize oh, she awesome. actually listened until today when she sent me the Nugget NATO complete with armadillos, maple syrup, and McNuggets. I thought the McSnuggie I made was legit, but this put me to shame. I have two questions for y'all, one for my wife and another shot question for me. So we definitely won't answer his question, just the one for the missus. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I bought my wife a 2012 Specialized Rumor, and she has been on a few rides. She has been having pain at the base of her thumb the day after she rides. See the attached photo. She is definitely a mountain bike noob. Do you have any suggestions? I bought her some Specialized Ergo Grips to try, but I haven't tried them yet. Is there anything else we should try? 
And the photo is, and I have it pulled up over here, if you can imagine where your second knuckle is on your thumb, like right where it attaches to the web of your hand. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw yeah. my two cents in and say that the shift housing is really heavy and it's too hard to shift. Uh, my vote would be just look at the bar and make sure that it's not what I call Eeyore drop. Oh God, all, I called that too. Sad. It looks all sad and depressed, you know? So if a bar is not like angled up at your chest and if you look at it kind of dead, uh, actually, you know, who's got a really good thing on it. I was actually just on the website and I saw little pictures. So if you want a little illustration, uh, on transitionbikes.com, if you go to there, I think it's, yeah, it's on the homepage. If you just scroll down. Uh, like the third or fourth picture as of today, it might change. It says handlebar roll setup, and uh, it shows you different rollbacks of handlebars. So I have a feeling it's the what they call the lap roll, which is like pointed way down, which makes your wrist do some weird shit. So that's just a guess. It, I could be completely wrong, but I see it a lot. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. I see it a lot with bikes that have those specialized grips. I don't know what the I don't know what the uh, the the correlation is there. First off, those specialized grips I I've never I've never owned a pair, but I have test ridden a lot of bikes that have those on them. I've never really liked them. Like I don't I don't feel like they're like they're an odd shape and like the edge of them is a little bit like kind of pointy. It's not sharp because it's made out of rubber, but it's not round either. Like it has an edge. Um, you know, if you want some of the paddle type grips, I would go with Ergon's. Um, they do cost more, but they're, I think the price is justified. Um, and yeah, like Kenny said, look at the roll of the bar and then also, um, look at saddle setback, um, as well as saddle fore and aft position. Like you really want, you want to set up your, like your pedaling position, your seat height and your fore and aft. Um, this, you know, if, if that has not been done, if she hasn't had at least like a bike sizing or a bike fit of some sort, um, it's possible that she's just kind of like too far away from the bars. Um, and she's not pedaling, you know, very efficiently. And it's also causing, you know, a little bit more reach to the bar that's putting more stress on her hands. Um, you know, I would suggest a bike fit. If the saddle... Um, take a good look at the saddle. A lot of times, um, if, you know, there are just some brands of saddles out there where they look like they're level, but then when you sit on them, it feels like the back end has enough cushion that it's kind of making you slide forward. And in that's, in that case, you would need to tilt the nose of the saddle up just a tiny bit and it will make it easier to sit with most of your body weight on that widest part of the saddle um, rather than feeling like you're sliding forward and putting a lot of weight on your hands in an attempt to kind of push yourself back to the wides part of the saddle. Yeah. I think that's a really good observation for sure. Um, if she just sits on that bike and get her to concentrate on thinking, what do I need to do to make me be able to sit still on the saddle and have my hands in the handlebar position and be able to support myself only with my core. Because if it's it, – a lot of times uh, Andrea is dead on. If you have your saddle incorrect, it's going to force you to do all kinds of weird stuff at the handlebar. Like it will force you to put extra weight on the handlebar, for example. Yeah. 
It's like you're it's like you're you're stuck in a wedge between the back of your saddle that you can't sit on and your handlebars and your your taint is like the lever point of it. Yeah, I think the saddle getting your saddle set correctly as far as height and fore and aft and uh nose up or nose down and all that stuff, that's like the that is the nexus. Like that is where everything else is going to uh everything else is going to be related to that so if you have that wrong then you're not going to be able to do anything right with your handlebars yeah so i would i would go for bike fit number one um number two would be handlebar setup after bike fit um you know bike fit being seat height fore and aft and then tilt and then handlebars being like are they rolled in a weird position and are those specialized grips really the ones that you need and like Matt said, I think, you know, make sure that that's not, if everything else being equal, like if all that stuff is good and she's comfortable, um, you know, the, the if you have a lot of resistance at the shift lever, that can definitely make that muscle sore in that part of your hand. Boom. Next part of his question. I have oh, a, damn. I have a version two fifty ten cc with a Fox DPS evolved rear shock and a Pike front fork, I'm having issues getting the shock to feel plush with quick successive hits such as brake bumps. Everything feels excellent at low speed, but the bike beats the hell out of me on descents, and I don't know what else to try. Below are the details on my rear shock setup. I weigh 142 pounds, and I sag it at 32% or 30% running 152 PSI, which was 35%. I want to be clear. It, it sounds like he's complaining about his rear shock and not his fork. Is that correct? Some people call fork shocks. I just want he's to complaining sure. about everything. Oh, okay. So the 35% dynamic sag per shock whiz. Low speed compression is at the softest setting. Um, low, low speed rebound is plus six um, clockwise out of 14 total. And the volume spacer is the largest one. Uh, after a Which tip, bike was this on? A, a 5010. Okay. Uh, after a typical ride, Shockwiz records five to seven deep travel events, and I typically use all the travel with drops and jumps. I can also add that I've ran the Shockwiz on, and it told me to slow down my rebound and to soften the high-speed compression. Lower, Slower rebound makes the problem worse, and I don't have high-speed compression now to turn. All other options are green on the shock whiz. I'm out of ideas. What should I try, or do I need to dive into the shim stack? Thanks, James, a.k.a. Kenny's number one fanboy. Um, <laughs> uh, my vote is you need to jump into the shim stack, and you need to get a softer high-speed compression uh, tune done on it, and then you need to... Uh, you need to be able to quicken the rebound by just a tiny bit. It sounds to me like the rebound is packing up a tiny bit because uh, it's too slow. And also it gets even worse because you probably have too much uh, high-speed compression, which you just have to tune out with shims. And also take out that large volume spacer and put in something a tiny bit smaller on the air volume. Boom. There you go. I don't have any. I say that... I say you need to get the like a twenty nine version of that bike. You just need to sell your bike and get them. You know. High tower LT solves all your problems. Yeah. Your rear shock. Either problem that or is, your rear shock problem is, is your wheels. 
Yeah, the uh, the the picky coworker Paul tip of the night. Um, since this is like the third episode where I've mentioned his opinion on things, um, he he says that the intense primer rides just like a twenty nine inch version of the fifty ten. Cool. All right. Yeah, Kenny. What was that question you had sent directly to you? Uh, this one is uh, from John Metz. Uh, just sent an email, and I'll try to just do this quick. It's pretty long. He's basically talking about uh, we referenced mainstream sports and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, really quick. Uh, while listening to Chainstay Splint, I was struck by your comment of soccer being a traditional ball sport. And by the way, I just like randomly said ball sports are mainstream and all that kind of shit. I'm not like getting crazy detailed on that. But anyway. As a kid playing soccer in places such as Nebraska and upstate, way upstate New York, I never felt like soccer was considered a traditional sport in the United States. Without a cons- uh, without a consistent professional soccer league until the 90s, soccer was something you had to hunt for in the media. Even basic information about how to play the game was impossible to find. I'm glad soccer has made so much progress in the last few decades, but I still feel it's a second-tier sport compared to football, basketball, and baseball. And I would agree with that. I think that's yeah, a pretty fair that's statement. That's reasonable. Uh, but anyway... Definitely nothing like Europe. I mean, Europe is freaking fanatical about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, today I see mountain biking in a somewhat similar place as soccer was. The peak excitement of the new thing in the 80s and 90s has dipped, but now accessibility is going up with better equipment, uh, access to information on the internet and podcasts. Uh, my kids now have mountain biking as an option where uh, I just rammed my red Schwinn into the curb as a kid. Uh, and then ram my late 80s diamondback, all rigid, don't laugh at that, uh, into the East Coast rocks, roots, ruts, uh, roots and ruts as a teenager. Uh, hopefully they will give Nika a try in the future and enjoy the sport for a long time to come. On the subject of guide R brakes, I've been using them on my 2016 ASRC for a year now with no complaints. I'm following the sage advice of you and many others, don't touch them if they're working, to great effect. Uh, hopefully they will hang in there for the next few years. Always enjoy the banner on the podcast. Thanks for the information and entertainment, uh, John in Colorado. So, yep, that's it. He was just talking about soccer and, you know, likening it to mountain biking and his guide brakes aren't broken, but they will be. If you put them out in the sun, they will break. <laughs> they are they are indoor, indoor only brakes. Night ride only. Night, Night ride, ride only. only. Yeah, maybe ride like the indoor bike park. Uh, mega cavern uh yeah maybe put uh maybe like put get some microfiber towels and zip tie them to like over top of the of the whole brake setup oh i know kind of use them i know i know what are the winter bar mitts filled with ice yeah yeah put bar mitts on them all the time even in the summer and fill them with ice uh, i need to push a new product called summertime sram bar mitts they're like little koozies <laughs> you put them in the you know those little freezer packs that like keep your sandwich cold it's one of those yeah, you, but it's like the size of your oh, thumb man. and you just like velcro it around your lever body oh god you two are out that of is control. a million dollar idea right there it's like okay i'm getting ready for a ride let me get my like you power know, meter let me get my premix yeah i'm gonna get my premix out of the fridge you know that's got my Whatever, got my goo roctane all mixed up, and I'm gonna go into the freezer and grab my bar mitts so I can ride my guide brakes and not have them lock up. Pretty sweet. Uh, all right, all, well, all that was a good show. Ready. We we answered lots of questions. Yeah, we got shit done. All right, 
Um, There's your dead air. Of the night. I'm so shut it down. I'm so tired. Shut it down. I know. I've got the yawns. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, you're going to get two JRA shows this week. Um, and just in case that transition webpage changes over time, what I'll do is I'll take a, a, a little snip of the screen and I'll post that with the pictures of the show. And then uh, we got some feedback to try to do a better, uh, better job of show notes. So I'm going to work on that. And if you made it this far two times this week, I really commend you on your uh, perseverance. So thanks for listening to the latest episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show and make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you and have a good day.